Welcome back to another episode of the Most Wanted Podcast. I'm your host, Nahum Bogala, and nothing is safe from discussion over here. Uh, before we start off, let me shout out those listening in on Anchor, Radio Public, Overcast, Breaker, Pocket Cast, as well as Google Podcasts. Also want to give a big shout out to those listening in through Spotify as well. If you're listening from Apple Podcasts, make sure to give a five-star rating and review. If you're listening in on YouTube via the Broadhive channel, make sure to like and comment on the video and subscribe to the Broadhive channel while you're at it. Uh, you can stay up to date with the podcast on Instagram at Most Wanted Podcast as well as Twitter at Most Wanted Pod. Damn, I went through that really quickly and very well. <laughs> Usually I'd be stuttering and shit, bro. So as y'all can see today, or if you're listening in on audio platforms, I got one of my buddies here with me today. His name is Steve. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, bro? What's up, my people? Um, I'm Steve, um, Calgary-based. Um, here to do an interview with my brother, Nano, and uh, it should be a fun time. I bet. Um, so today, this episode is going to be a little bit more serious, a little more, a little more, because uh, most of the conversations that I've had here are either talking about, you know, light stuff, you know, very funny things, uh, personal stories about me being stupid and shit. But uh, today is going to be a little bit more, you know, a down to earth type, uh, type of conversation. I don't know how I'm supposed to. Go. Uh, let's see. I think the best way to describe it is, you know, it's just talking about mental health, right? Because, you know, it's such a prevalent thing. It hasn't. I feel like the stigma about mental health has really lessened as time has progressed because back, you know, early 2000s, people never really talked about it as much. Like, I remember seeing it on commercials and shit, but like, it wasn't really, you know, as talked about amongst friends, family, as it is like, you know, with the 2010s, it's like definitely increased in terms of mental health awareness. The stigma has gone down as far as I can tell. Um, but of course the stigma is still there. Um, what do you think about that, bro? I do feel like the stigma on mental health has lessened a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a good thing, uh, in my opinion, because at the end of the day, it shows that, of course, like all, all human, human beings go through um, a, a various amount of emotions. Some emotions that you can't explain it, some you can't, but that's what mm-hmm. makes everybody unique in their own self. Because if you... If you don't have any emotions as a person, I would say you're not human in the first place. Because if you can't feel anything within yourself, then you're not living properly. And coming from the perspective of a black man, an African man, most times, obviously, when you're a male-born child, it doesn't matter if you're the first, second, or whatever. Just being a male-born child in a black family home, there's this, this kind of family and societal pressure that's still upon me saying, like, oh, men have to be uh, built like this, like, you conscious weakness emotion stuff mm-hmm. here like you have to be strong and there's nothing in like there's nothing bad in being strong but at the same time growing up you, you start to suppress all these types of emotion and, and feelings you have inside and then later mm-hmm. on when it, it kind of develops and you don't know how to like you don't know how to address or express them like if, if you if you as a, as a boy you grow up you experience traumatic events you hold up inside because you say i'm more conscious emotion like oh people are going to look at me differently if you end up married later on, you're going to have problems not just with yourself, but with those around you, with the family, because you never learn to deal with or address those problems. But with how mental health has been viewed, also with the help of social media, I feel like it's it's being lessened and people are starting to talk more about it. Um, especially um, especially for black people too, because me personally, I hate this, I hate this trope where it's like, Oh, black people are strong here. This black women are strong. Black men are strong. Yes, we are strong, but at the same time, we shouldn't be strong under the guise of trauma bonding. Because living your life based off trauma and then trying to 
most of other courage to be uh, to do stuff here and there. It kind of paints a negative view of stuff that black people have to, to suffer or go through something traumatic in order to be considered strong. So that's it. But at the same time, I am very happy that um, the stigma is being reduced and uh, more people are being open to talk about it and also as well educate themselves on it because everybody goes through something just like your neighbor, even people in your family, everybody, everyone goes through everything because at the end of the day, you're human. So life is just about it's just about growth. It's about, about moving forward. Completely uh, agree. It's I going back to what you said about African households. Holy shit! Oh, yeah, you <laughs> dead right on that one. Because Africa or you know African country. Oh, I'm speaking from personal experience. Um, in Ethiopia, it's a very traditional, you would say, a traditional sort of country. Um, mm-hmm. My dad was brought up on that sort of idea where he's a very, you know, very strong. I remember him growing up. Me growing up, at least. Um, and he would always tell me, he's like, yeah, don't cry. You know, you're a guy. Guys aren't supposed to cry and stuff. And I, because I used, I used to cry quite a bit when I was younger. I was, yeah, you know, I ain't go cap. I was a crybaby at that point. Uh, <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. I mean, at this point, I'm 20. You know, shit's changed. Um, but back then, I was, you know, I would cry a little bit more often on things that I probably shouldn't have. And my dad was like, come on, don't be, a, don't be a wuss. You know, guys don't cry. And you know. I'm starting to unpack that now where I'm like, I mean, like, I get it because in the traditional sense, guys are supposed to be like the strong ones. They're the ones that are supposed to uphold, you know, the family. If you break down, then everyone else starts falling down too. But at the same time, it's like sort of neglecting your own feelings and going back. I think I also mentioned this like in the previous episode, um, when my grandma had passed my dad, because I was, you know, my dad's mom and he was the firstborn, um, he broke like he was just gone because I mean that's his mom obviously you would and when that happened and I've only seen my dad cry probably like two times in my entire life and when I saw that I was like what the fuck so at that point I knew that I had to be the strong one because he needed to cope and we're still trying to deal with that now I mean at this point we've all kind of like moved not move forward but like you know accepted the fact that she's not with us um in the physical sense but at the same time it's like you you never truly get past you know the trauma of seeing that right like you, it yeah. never it never truly you know goes away that's that feeling yeah yeah just to, to add to that uh, first of all uh, my condolences to you and your with that i know death is it's death is something that it's imminent it, it happens in life you never want to experience it or see it. Um, it it's different when it happens to someone else but when it happens to you then it hits like it hits more because oh. um, we learn to understand what it is and as as much as I hate the concept of death, at the same time, it allows me to understand and understand and value life and take it for granted. Just to to love what life is at this moment. So you live your life up, um, up to the fullest and the very best that you can. Um, and as well, adding to the whole African family dynamic, even the first time that I saw my dad cry, like, like me, I've I've always been an emotional person and everything because I I because because of my mom, I learned to see life from both perspectives, from a man's side, from a woman's side, and everything, mm-hmm. because my dad was always like, um, working international and everything, so it was mainly me and my mom and my sister at home. Mm-hmm. He'd come back on vacation and stuff like that. So because of her, I learned to, I learned to understand and tap into my emotional side as a child, and then I would, I would be like, oh, like, this, is, this is actually what's my heart, like, what I should be doing, or I'm allowed to be. I shouldn't be constrained to this like way of thinking and everything. So me as a child, like, yeah, I, like I cried, I cried a lot sometimes when I didn't need to, but at the same time, 
crying, like it helped me release all of that stress and tension that I needed to to let go so I wouldn't boil up, uh, boil up and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first time I saw my dad cry was, um, say, maybe sometime in like 2014, something like that, because his brother had died. And I remember I was laying on the, uh, was laying on the floor. Uh, I think this was maybe a couple of months before I moved to Canada. And I was laying on the floor and I saw him pick up his phone and everything. And he was just, uh, I remember his phone was in his left hand, sitting on the, on the chair right beside him. His hands were like just, you know, moving to his eyes and everything. I think he wanted to do that maybe to kind of protect me. Mm. But at the same time, that was the first time I saw my dad cry. And I was like, this is strange. Cause I've, I've never seen anything like that happen to him before. Right. And it was kind of, yeah, it, it, it was actually very strange. And it was like, this is the first time I've seen like um, the half of like the half of me who brought me to this life start crying and everything. The fact that it was in front of me really just like it just like I didn't break down, but it just kind of like something shifted in there and everything. And I was like, for me to see my like conservative, like, not not like conservative politically and everything, but like my dad um, is conservative in the sense that he just holds everything together. Like, he's always quiet. Like I saw him like play his hand like his uh, his two. Uh, uh, thing is here around his eyes and everything and he was in tears because i mean this is his brother this is his own blood and everything when i saw that happen it was just very very strange but at the same time it was also kind of like moving because i saw a strong man like break down and actually openly just put out his feelings and everything. Mm-hmm. um i think that was the first and last time that i saw him cry i'd like i want to say maybe he's cried a few more times but i wasn't there i probably didn't know what happened but um that was the first time I saw uh, my son crying. When that happened, it just kind of made me feel more expressive in the sense that, look, you seeing your dad cry, you can cry too, but when it's necessary, anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, even even when it comes to my friends, like like I'll cry. Like it, it does if I if I care about you and I love you that much, I will cry. It doesn't matter if I know you personally, even if you're an outsider. Like I I can cry for you because to me, death is more. I've, I've started to look at death more in the sense that it's a celebration of life and not just the fact that, oh, like this person has, has, has left me and everything like that. Because at the end of the day, I'm going to treasure and carry all those memories within me. Mm-hmm. And I know that that person is still living, but just in another world right now. So just that, that thought, process, uh, thought process just helped me to kind of like look at look at life differently and everything. So yeah, when it comes to my friends, like I cry, like I cry for you and everything. It doesn't matter what. So yeah. Man, that was. I mean, I'm still. First of all, I want to say sorry that I'm sorry for your loss about your. Yeah, of course, of course, of course. But at the same time, I've been learn like what you were saying. I've been learning to uh, to kind of accept the fact that like you know when they die, they don't necessarily like you know fully die because they'll always be a part of you in terms of like you know memories, experiences that you have shared, and it's just it's a beautiful expression of life to way. You can go out, like your body can leave in the physical sense, but yet you will always remain it so long as your memory is around. And I just, I've been learning to accept that as, you know, a new concept of death rather than when you die, you know, that's it. Um, But it's always hard. And like, you know, the mental repercussions from someone passing, it's never, never easy. And I know you've had your fair struggles, you know, going with, going through those type of, you know, mental issues. And, you know, if you're comfortable, then. You know, would you like to, you know, go through those type of things with us or? Sure. Um, where do I start? I would say my mental health struggles started when I was like 13 or 14 and everything. 
I don't know, but I think the root cause might have been just maybe stemming from like me being bullied and stuff. So I used to like when I was 13, 14, I lived in uh, Qatar at the time mm-hmm. and all that stuff. I just moved from Abu Dhabi to Qatar and everything. School was okay, it was fun a bit and everything, but then it's like just, just little, like little hints of bullying and then all that stuff like that. That happened to me. And then my birthday came, May the 29th. Um, so we celebrated my birthday in my, my house and everything. And I just burst into tears and everything. Like after like, you know, the, uh, cut the cake, family prayed for me and everything. Mm-hmm. I just burst into tears and I went to my room because at 13 years old, I told myself like, I didn't think I was going to make it. Like I actually told myself like, I thought I would have been dead by now. Because that's like, that's just like how much everything was like affected me in school and all that stuff. If I move on from uh, that period of time to left in time, I'd say it was uh, when I came to Canada and everything. My mental health was kind of stable for a bit, but then it just kind of like shifted now because of um, kind of like a um, situationship or something like that that I had with somebody. I don't even consider that like any sort of relationship ever again because just the way I was treated and the stuff that I went through, no one deserves that and everything. So. I just try to push that phase out of my life. But at the same time, I have gotten over that and stuff like that. Pretty much, um, just to cut it short, me and this person were talking, we had a, we had a casual relationship here and there, but I was mentally taken advantage of, mentally abused, emotionally, like just psychologically, everything. Like I would break down at night. Like sometimes I would have to cry myself to sleep sometimes and everything. I even remember on New Year's, I got a text from this person, like, I have a very vivid memory when it comes to stuff. Mm-hmm. Like this, this was Tuesday, this was a Tuesday, I believe January the second or third of two thousand and eighteen. Yeah, I think two thousand eighteen. I was on the steps of my house around like around three a.m. I saw the mm-hmm. text. I was crying my eyes out for because what I read, like no one, no one should go through that. Nobody, man, woman, doesn't matter. No one should go through that. Um, so I. I broke down and everything. It took me about two, two and a half years just to get over all that stuff and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, I just went through so much. Even in middle school, I had this teacher. So, like, this this was lunch period. Pretty much uh, every time during lunch period, this was on uh, Qatar too, by the way. During lunch period, all, the, all of us kids that like, would go to the computer room and all that stuff, play games on the computer, all that stuff. And, like, the teacher was nice and everything. I like that. He was a nice person to me. He never did anything bad. But it's like, I was at the back playing my games and all that stuff and then he came to me he was like asking me how it was and all that stuff but he would put his like hand on my back and just start rubbing it and everything like go a little down maybe to like the back of like where like the waistline where like your like uh boxes for men would start and everything like his hands right. would go right. all the way like down there maxed up and everything what the fuck as a kid like yeah it was like as a kid i didn't like i just thought like oh he was nice i didn't know what like I didn't know what was going on. I thought he was nice because he was nice to me, like, even in general and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, later on, I was like, bro, like, the more I did, it was like, he basically, like, the thing is, that I don't know whether to term this as molestation or assault or some kind of thing because I don't want to, like, use that and kind of, like, validate the term for other people and all that stuff. Right. Like, I know, right. I know it happens in different ways and all that stuff, but I don't know exactly what to term that as. But all I know is that as a 13-year-old kid, I, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what he was doing to me. So it's like, in a sense, I did not consent and all that stuff. So that happened and everything. Then 
But again, if I fast forward back to the whole situation show that stuff like I I have I've tried to take my life four different times, four different occasions. Like this is like this is it's, it's been crazy. Like even like even you and like some of the guys and all that stuff, like on social media, like I, like you guys know I'm very like open about my mental health and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I would take breaks like but I call you guys like you guys were getting breaking down on the phone and stuff like that. Of course. Like just just the the thought of just ending my life, just saying fuck all and everything, just like get over with. The amount of times I have to like live with that in my heart, in my head, like all these thoughts coming in and everything. Like, it, it happens. Like it, it it just it just rushes through my brain, and that's why I always like say like I hate the nighttime because that's when like I can literally hear everything. Like, it just gets louder in my head and all that stuff like that. Yeah. So it's just sometimes I try to like drown it out, you know, cry it out, or whatever stuff like that. But I, um, what else? Um, and then there's the school, just with like stress and all that stuff. Being, you know, a black child in my family, especially being the firstborn, when it comes to academics, speaking from a Nigerian perspective, your parents, especially the dads, they put a lot of pressure on you and everything like that. It's like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like, of course, we know academics is like. It's, it's something to be proud of and all that stuff. But at the same time, I hated when they let culture and pride tradition take over, like, the emotional viewpoint of what your kid is going through. Like, as much as I want to make you proud, whenever I know I'm doing bad in school, I can't even come talk to you and everything because you're just going to blame me saying, oh, you're not putting effort, you're not putting effort. No, I can't. Like, the same capacity and capability I have as a person is completely different. And, like... They never understood it and all that stuff like that. So, like, I would just cry. Like, I would, the amount of times I called myself a favorite, like, I was sitting beside my dad. I was like, yo, like, I just can't do this anymore. Like, I'm a failure, this and that, blah, blah, blah. I think just, I think at that moment, he realized exactly what maybe I was talking about. He may not have understood it fully, but he's starting to get, like, a grasp of it and everything. Because school does weigh a lot of you all these expectations you know you want to do good you know you can but at the same time it doesn't go exactly the way you want so i think that experience has just given me like a new outlook on, on life in general and it's also mm-hmm. given him um, a new outlook that you know sometimes you have to be easy just talk to them like softly gently like do away with like culture tradition like just talk to me as a person my level and stuff like that because if we're on the same wavelength and understanding them Everything just mesh like easily and all of that. But um yeah, I think that's all the mental health like issues that I can I can remember. Like I mean, even till now to this very moment, I like I still go through it and all that stuff. But like, one like a couple of days ago I was just like very like I was just down and out and everything. Like, mm-hmm. It wasn't I no suicidal shit and all that stuff, but like, like, I like I just didn't want to be here and all that stuff like that. So just yeah. kind of like wanted to isolate yourself in that sense, right? Yeah, pre- yeah, pretty much. Like, if if I don't want to talk to anybody, like, my body just shuts down. My body just shuts down. Like, I'll just disappear. All that stuff. Like that. So, yeah. No, I get that, bro. I get that. And first of all, I want to say, you know, glad you're still here with us. You know, suicide and you know self harm. It's, I understand, you know, what you were going through in that sense. But like, I'm just happy. And I'm just happy that you're here. I, I I don't know I don't know any proper way of you know saying this. I don't know any way to articulate it properly. But just like you know, suicide is never the answer. Like it's it's like a permanent solution to a temporary problem. 
in a sense. And not to discredit, you know, what you went through, not to invalidate what you went through. Yeah, course, That's not what course, I mean. But, yeah, no, no, but I'm just saying, like, you know, for anyone that's ever gone through those type of issues or, you know, have ever had those type of thoughts, please don't. I'll be putting a link in, you know, here for a suicide hotline, um, you know, any any website that could help. I'll, I'll do my research and probably put a couple links there in order to help. But, like, it's hard because I, I don't want to say that I've gone through, you know, extreme issues myself but like you know like what you were saying like school um anxiety like it's hard especially in an african household right where you know the expectations the stigma and like it just keeps weighing down on you to where if you even get a hint of a bad grade you're like i don't even think i can even say it to my parents right like it's ass but like every single immigrant kid has gone through it at one point where they get a bad grade like, I remember, I think I was in grade six, right? And I got, like, a C in something, in a, in a mark or something. And I was shitting myself on a, on my report card. I was shitting myself. I was like, there is no way I can show this to my parents. And, like, I don't know. It's not like I don't like my I love my parents. My parents are, like, my best friends. But it's, like, the expectations that they set for you are so high that when you fail to reach those high expectations, you just feel like nothing but a failure. And you're like... like you, know that, you know that moment where it's, like, let's say this is, this, like... 30 of you in the class and all that stuff. You do a test. Let's say you get like, I don't know, you get a 75 and everything. Mm-hmm. And it was only like two other people who got higher than, than 75 and what you got. Everyone else had like lower marks and all that stuff. Go home and show your parents like, look, I got a 75, what else? They're like, oh, why didn't you get a 90? Like, I know some people that got higher than that and all that stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, like, bro, like, I'm, I'm doing all I can. Like, I did good, like, but at the same time, I know I can do better, but even if you want to encourage me, encourage mm-hmm. me in a way that I'll actually feel it, and I will feel like, oh, like they still love me, even if this is what I, could, I, I like. I'm able to get at this moment. Just mm-hmm. that, 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 that amount of encouragement can probably push me to do better. And, everything. and it works, like, because your words are very powerful. Like, words, words of affirmation go a long way. That's why, I think that's why, like, in those relationships and everything, like, you know how people talk about your love languages and all that stuff, right? Right. Like, right. I don't think it only. Um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't think it only applies to like uh, relationships between like a boy and a girl or all that stuff like relationships in general right. with, with your partners with your friends even with your family too so it's like all, all, all that stuff like it matters at the end of the day so it's that it's hard yeah exactly like I mean I wouldn't know anything about relationships because your boy been single right I mean... <laughs> <laughs> hey man hey man just gotta charge it to the game. I've been shooting, oh, bro, but I've been shooting. <laughs> nigga like hey, me be shooting like Kwame hey, bro, Brown, bro. Your time, your time is coming, King. Your time is coming. Your time is coming, bro. Hey, man. All, nigga my, like, niggas, all, my, all my niggas are gonna be in love, bro. Hey, man. Nigga like me is shooting like, uh, what's his name? Joe Kim Noah at the free throw line, bro. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> game on the line type beat, bro. Oh, I'm crying. I'm crying. Oh, man. But, like, Oh man, <laughs> I don't know how we can move on from something like that, bro. <laughs> I mean, I feel like you just have to, like, obviously, like, you have to heal and all of that stuff because you can't, you can't just say like, "Oh, I'm gonna move on." Like, mm-hmm. uh, like I, it's just like, um, I think you saw my tweet this morning. and Everything I was like, if you if you left somebody, um, <laughs> I did because they cheated on you. And you, and you, <laughs> if you, like, if you left someone that cheated on you, 
mm-hmm. only to, to go on to another person who got dumped because they cheated on their partner. That's not called healing or moving up. That's called cross That's uh, cross multiplication and all that stuff. So it's like if you don't learn <laughs> like if you don't learn to like process everything that happened, mm-hmm. take some time to heal, come back better, like you're not you're not fo- you're not doing yourself like any good because like there's a time for everything, like the time for happiness, there's a time mm-hmm. for sadness, death, there's a there's a season for everything in life. You just have to go through like that point and all that stuff and eventually you come out a stronger uh, person and you also come out a more experienced person because what you, the mistakes and, and trauma that you've experienced in the past will shape you into a new person. It will actually help you determine like your worth and see who you are for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that like we should bond over trauma and all that stuff because that's negative. It's more, it's more about just processing it, having some sort of release and accepting that, okay, this happened to me, but it's not going to find me on um, as long as I live that's, that's mm-hmm. pretty much what it is it, it's I feel like it's just a necessary part of life to learn how to move on yeah. no it. I completely agree and it's like I don't know I feel like when in terms of like struggling with these type of things I felt like especially after the death of you know my grandma I, going through that it was really hard but I found that talking with people like you know just opening up and just start venting with like close friends it helped like a lot and i'm like a really private person where i don't really like to talk about myself so much because i'm always there for you know other people other people are always telling me (laughs) like you know that one person that's like always there for other people you know they're always you know support they're like the number one there that i don't want to like it's not like i'm tooting my own horn but like that's just you know that's what it was but sometimes in the back of my head i'm like okay but i'm there for you know all these people but what would happen if i were to go through something and oh like, God, oh God, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, you know exactly, exactly what it is. Like, it's like, you know, you know, like, I feel that way. It's like, you know how to help people. You can't help yourself. That's literally exactly what it is. Like, mm-hmm. you're there for other people. You can help them. But when it comes to your own situations, you have no idea, like, what to do and stuff like that. Like, you don't know how to help yourself. I, I know exactly what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. And then the problem with that is like, like I'm starting to unpack this now, right? But like, I just had like this sort of pride where I'm like, I'm never going to like open myself up. Cause I, I, you know, I, I got this, I got this, it's me. I know how to do this. It's me. And like that sense of pride and I don't want to say arrogance, but like, you know, just that sense of, I can take care of it by myself type of thing. It's gotten me into some dark times, dark, not to the point of like, you know, self-harm or anything, but just, you know, just dark periods. And like, you know, like you were saying, you know, the nighttime was always ass where it's like, you're like, <laughs> you, you see your demons like right in front of you, just staring back at I you swear. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. Frank Ocean kicked my ass during that time. Too. <laughs> Holy shit, bro. That nigga, yo man, blonde was kicking my ass. Oh my goodness. Nigga dropped Godspeed bro. and I was in tears. <laughs> bro, during the nighttime, like all you would hear me listen to was what's it called? I don't want to do this anymore by X. Um, bro, what what's what's that one? Uh, Drake and Gideon were on. Um, Chicago freestyle. Uh, exactly, yeah, Chicago freestyle. Yeah, every yeah. night, every night, I'm literally laying on the bed looking at my my scene and tears are coming down my eyes, bro. And I'm just like, yo, fuck this, like I, I can't do this and all that stuff. Music would kick my ass. Bro. That's what I'm saying, bro. Oh my lord! I think oh the weekend too when he dropped my dear melancholy, kicked my ass out. Oh my goodness, niggas saying go call my my name. I was in tears, bro. I was down terrible. Oh man, nigga, I was down atrociously. <laughs> oh man, the moment I hear like the 
the moment I hear we found each other, I was like, yup, there it is. There's a depression. Yup, it's over. <laughs> oh my god. Oh man. But like I'm starting to unpack, you know, that sense of like I can take care of this myself, you know, and started to open up, started to vent a lot more. And it's led me to a lot more of a, you know, like a stable mindset. I think mm-hmm. I'm at the point now where it's like, yeah, like things don't affect me the way that they used to affect me. The only thing that'll like really, you know, get me to a point of like anger or like frustration is, you know, either school shit because, you know, it's graduation is around the corner. So like, yeah, that's going to kick my ass. Or like if like someone is insulting like my family or stuff and that that that's when like you cross the line. I'm like, yeah, now now it's on site type of thing. But another thing, too, is like as a guy, right, men's mental health has definitely been something that's been overlooked. Not to say that, you know, we should ignore everyone else because, of course, everyone everyone deserves to be listened to. All of their experiences are valid, you know. That's not what I'm trying to say. It's just like, you know, as guys, like, we're always told, you know, you're the, supposed to be the strong one, the breadwinner for the family, you know. Um, you're the one that's supposed to maintain, you know, strength and stability. And, like, you, you're grown up, you grow up with that type of mindset and where you get to a point, like, maybe when you hit your 20s, and like you just start breaking down, but you then de- you never knew how to properly cope with that type of thing. So mm-hmm. then you just start spiraling down, and like unfortunately, it's led to you know men taking their lives. And it's like, and I think I read a stat somewhere where it's like the majority of people who actually take their lives are men. I'm not 100%. I don't know if that stat is true or not. Um, this keep in mind, this podcast is not about bringing in statistics. I'm not that type of person. Everything's literally off the top of my head. So like, it's all literally just about you know talking about experiences and stuff here and it's not once again it's not to say that women trans people uh people of the lgbtqia community it's not like i'm trying to invalidate them whatsoever everyone's experience is valid you know you're loved we're all here for you but it's just you know as guys i think the stigma around mental health is still prevalent i would think what do you what do you have an opinion about that um yeah i definitely agree with that um I mean, some people, like some men, they're still like closed up in this like personal shell or bubble that they have. Maybe they're just not comfortable enough to say that to somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe they don't think that there's anyone who's going to like listen to them and stuff like that. So they, um, they just kind of like bury everything inside. Just like, you know, like that's my life. Like, I can't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. But it's situations like that when my back was against the wall that I learned to like appreciate um, the people around me. As many people that I'm grateful to consider friends and all that stuff, I do find like it's only key or certain people that I can vent to and everything. Right. Like if I if I message like yo, this is what's happening to me. Like I know the um, what's it called? Um, like they're gonna be there for me and everything. Like even if they don't reply instantly, because I like I'm not gonna be selfish to say oh you didn't reply to me like uh, super quick and all that stuff. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day. I know you have a life and all that stuff, so I'm not going to take that personally. But regardless of that, I know that I can count on them. This this leads me to how I met my best friend in uni and everything. This was like around, say, mid-January. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I went to the second floor of the library and everything. And one of um, one of my friends, sorry, actually two of my friends, they, because they were also friends with him, um, they introduced me to him. They're like, yo... Uh, Steve, this is our friend Rashid. So me and Rashid, um, we looked at each other, you know, we said hi and all that stuff. We went to the library, we just cool and all that stuff. 
At first, like, it's not like we didn't like each other, but I guess, like, there just wasn't a vibe there at the moment. But the right. second time we saw each other, we talked. We instantly became like this, just this and everything. So, meeting Rashid really changed my life in every... It changed my life in every single way that I can imagine because Rashid was the first guy who... Like, I've always believed that people people live their lives differently. Like, no two people have the same life on this earth. Right. When I met Rashid, literally everything that I've been through, family-wise, mental health-wise, just everything in general that you could think of in this life, me and him, it's literally 100%. Rashid became my other half and everything. He became, like, he became the brother that I never, like, got to have in my life and all that stuff. So Rashid, Rashid, to this day, like, he still, he holds, like, he's always going to hold, like, a special place in my heart. So, like, we came close, we go, um, we go to each other's houses just to chill, everything like that. The day my grandmother died and everything, like, he was the first person I told, like, I was crying on the shoulder for hours and all that stuff. Like, he was just comforting me and all that stuff. Like, that. just letting me know that things would be okay. Whenever I came to uh, school, uh, school, family issues, um, relationship issues, mm-hmm. um, all things of those sort. Like, we, I remember me and him, like, we would stay on the phone for, like, we'd stay on the phone for hours. Like those days we stayed on the phone for two hours. The next day, it was three hours. The next day was four. And then it was five. So we literally exceeded each day by an hour because we just wanted to check on each other that bad and everything. Even if we were talking and later on the conversation died, we'd still be on the phone. Like, because his presence, even his silence, just the fact that his presence was there, it was more than enough for me to feel comfortable just on like, oh, my best friend is on the other side, so that like, at the end of the day, I can talk like him, like awesome and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like me and Rashid, our bond is so deep that I can literally just I could mention his name and tears will come out of my eyes. That's how, like, like obviously apart from family, I have never loved anybody the way that I've loved Rashid before. You're good, bro. You're good. You're good. I know, I know. But yeah, um. Yeah, just, just the way that I've loved him and everything. Like, I've never loved anyone like that before, but mm-hmm. just having him in my life just makes me, it just makes me grateful knowing that there's people there like him that I can talk to in case I ever need anything, all that stuff like that. Like, me and him always tell each other, oh, like, like we got each other for life. Like, <laughs> to the point we even joke, like, oh, when we get married and everything, like, Oh, not together, not that. Sorry, nah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like, when we both uh, get uh, married respectively, to our wives and all that stuff um, right. we always tell each other a joke that like, oh look um our kids are gonna bully each other and everything like i would let him know like oh i would let his kids know like oh like oh your dad was a loser in, in, in the union all this stuff i used to like do this to him and all that shit he would right. tell my kids he would tell my kids the same thing saying oh yo steve was this and that i used to save him all that's just you know just all that like funny shit it's like um tell each other like he like i'm not even married now but i know God willing, Rashid is still alive by then. Rashid is going to be one of our best men at my wedding. That's like that's already settled. And I told him, like, look, I'm, I'll be your best man at your wedding too and all that stuff. So it's like, just everything is like, we just, the love is so, is so genuine that calling him, like, when it, when it comes to the word best friend, he's the first thing that comes to my mind. But even best friend is not enough to describe, to describe him in general. In general. Mm-hmm. He's literally, like, you know, Family, family is not big enough of a word. Blood is not big a word. Like he, 
he's he's so much bigger than that that I can't find any words actually describing him. He's just, like your second half, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, he's just that person that like he's literally he's literally part of my soul. Like my soul and his are literally just intertwined together and all that stuff. And even apart from Rashid, even other people that I've been to, um, you yourself, Celine, Nabila, uh, my friend Nimra, like all you guys, um, it's, it's, it's a bunch of people that I could mention right now, but I can't remember them off the top of my head. But a lot right. of you guys, um, especially um, who I met through social media, like, you lot have helped me like just have more kind of like faith and belief in myself as a person. So like, even me saying like thank you or I love you, like it's it's an understatement. If I had like if if I had a thousand tongues just to tell you how much I appreciate you guys for all you did for me, it still wouldn't be enough. But I'm I'm really grateful for all you guys here and everything. You yourself of course included. So yeah, just 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 thank you in general. Um, of course. Like bro. Yeah. bro, don't even mention it. Like that's what real friends do. You just you don't even mention it, you just be there. That's what yeah. that's the whole point of it all, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and just, just seeing them like champion the fact that um men's mental health needs to be like talked about more it really like it really does make me happy and everything um even me and my dad like sometimes we have we have like um father and son talks and uh mm -hmm. and walks like that and all that stuff so it's kind of it, it, like it's given even me and my dad the chance to like bond a bit together and just you know talk about life and stuff like that so yeah yeah i mean Shit, father, son. Yeah, I remember I, me and my dad do the exact same things. I mean, not as much nowadays just because, you know, time constraints, right? But, like, when we had, maybe it was, like, I think a couple years ago, we used to walk down uh, Memorial, like, right by the river. Oh, it was beautiful. Like, we had a market, a uh, grocery store right by Hillhurst. And, like, right on 19th Street, I think it was. And afterwards, we just closed up and we just walked down that, you know, just walked down and just talk and shit, you know. I think we like we talk about like religion, you know, mm -hmm. what's going on in the world, politics. He'd ask me about girls that I'm talking to. Obviously, you get nervous the moment that shit brought, gets brought up because you're like, "Hey, oh. like I I ain't got nothing, bro." Remember, I'm joking. Oh. I'm joking. You no. Know. <laughs> the day the day me and my dad walked and he was like, "Look, in a couple of years you're getting married. You're gonna be talking to women." I was like, bro, where's this coming from? Like, that's what it's so off putting. You're the same man who told me, like, look, I don't want to see you calling girls on your phone. I don't want to see you what. I'm like, bro, where did all this come from, bro? Like, that's it was funny, funny, but at the same time, it's like, it, it was it was nice. It was nice to have that like sort of talk with dad and everything. That's. I think it's more so. It's like a it's like a point where you start or your dad starts to see that you know. You're a grown person at that point so then you can start having like more mature conversations he's a lot more comfortable with those type of things because i remember my dad like he told me it's like yeah you guys should have sex after marriage so i'm like okay yeah whatever so i literally grew up with that mindset and all of a sudden we it gets brought up in a conversation he's like yeah i don't care just as long as you're having safe sex i'm like nigga what what <laughs> nigga what <laughs> Granted, I'll never in a position to even think about having sex to begin with, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, still, the fact that he's even like, yeah, as long as you guys are having safe sex, I mean, shit, you're an adult, yeah, go crazy. I'm like, it, it, it just felt so weird. I'm like, bro, I'm like, yo, my nickel, like, where did this come from? Bro? Like, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, like, I, I, like bro, I actually, like, the day he asked me stuff, I actually had to look and be like, yo, like, who are you talking to? Like, I know it's not. <laughs> I'm just like, bro, like, what, what's going on, but. It just stuff like that just makes everything better, especially when like you live it in that moment. It's just like, mm -hmm. just, yeah, it's, it's it's a beautiful thing. To see. Man, I still remember one time, 
I like I don't know what switch, but I think I was around fourteen. Like before, my dad used to make like very you know kid jokes and shit. But like when I I think I when I hit high school, my dad started making like dirty jokes, like you know dark humor type jokes, and it threw me all the way off. I'm like, my nigga, where is this coming from? Great, like I make those type of jokes all the time, but I've never said them in front of my dad. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I remember, and I'm never gonna forget this conversation. Me and him, we were driving home from work, right? And we were listening to the news, and the news was talking about, um, I think it was talking about birds, and like they were talking about like I think back in the day prehistoric birds used to have like you know dicks. And my dad was like, imagine if you just see a bird just flying in the sky with a big ass thing just like this, just thanging. <laughs> and it's like, nigga, what? I-, I looked at him. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, yo, imagine it's called like a dick copter. It's just that's the reason the bird starts flying. I'm like. <laughs> What are you talking about right now? <laughs> oh my goodness, no, your dad's like, funny He's like, bro, that's a whole elephant trunk. The fuck you talking about? I'm like, my nigga, what <laughs> is this? <laughs> bro, ne- yo, that conversation is never leaving my mind. Because A, it scarred me for life. And B, that's probably the funniest thing I've ever heard my dad say. Ever. Oh my lord. But like, yeah, have, like going back to what we were talking about, like, that's probably like the more positive side of, you know, mental health and shit where if you have those type of conversations that are like really open or you have like people that are practically like your other half, like you were talking about with your friend, ultimately it leads you to such a better place. And if you have like that close, you don't need, like you honestly, I could probably count my close friends that I consider like really close, probably off my two hands. That That's it. And that's really all you need. You don't need like a whole big group of people because a that's gonna stress you out having to talk to all those all those people you know but at the same time it's like it just i don't know how to describe it but like they're always going to be there for you and you will always be there for them it's like that mutual type of bond type of thing and it just it's a it's a beautiful thing it really is you know exactly like the friendship and just having emotions in general it's 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 something that I cherish and I don't take for granted because if I never got to experience all that stuff, like all those feelings, I wouldn't have been the person that I am today. Like my life right now, like I honestly don't know what it would be like. It would just be like, just like I, I can, I would be a walking, a walking corpse, like like dead niggas and a walking dead and all that stuff. That's why I would consider myself like because right. living without any sense of humanity and and just the wide range of um encompasses it. it like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be Steve. That's I wouldn't be me at all. So I, I just, I take, I take stuff like that to the heart, and I'm just really grateful that I can even express it boldly now than I could before as a kid. So mm-hmm. yeah, honestly, you said it perfectly because that's that's what makes you you, right? Like all the experiences, good, bad, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, that mm-hmm. makes you you. It shapes, you know, how you grew up shapes how you act shapes you know how you'll act in the future it's all a culmination of things so it's literally just as you said you said it like i can't even add any more words to it. you said it like beautifully um but i think we covered almost everything that we both wanted to talk about i mean is there anything else that you'd like to say i guess just maybe just to shout out like all the people again um Rashid, you yourself um celine nabila yami akio just Everyone like Tobes, Ronnie, Timmy, Timbo. Um, ah, Timmy, my nigga, bro. Timmy, two jokes, bro. You be wilding on them streets too, my nigga. 
Hey, Tim, yeah, Timbo stream is, is another topic for another day. Uh, um, ASAP too, ASAP too, my boy. Um, ASAP is wild. ASAP, my nigga, but that nigga wild, bro. <laughs> but just, just everyone, everyone in the city, like I've had like the chance and like opportunity to meet. Like it just, like, I, I'm just, I'm just grateful for all of them and all that stuff. So mm -hmm. yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, th I think that's, I think that's really it. Um, one last thing before we go, you know. To anyone that's might be listening to this and are going through you know a very tough time trust you can get through it we believe in you we love you it's a safe space you know start you know talking to people maybe you know talk to a counselor if you might need that type of help you know i'll put in links in the description for like you know mental health awareness sites and you know suicide hotline phone number as well yeah i mean like i i don't know how else to say it but like you know we're here for you so Suicide is never the answer to your problem, and we're we're all here for you. We all love and care for you. So, with that being said, thank you all for making it to the end of the podcast. If you want to show love to the episode, or yeah, I fucked it up. <laughs> I have the script right here, and I fucked it up. Let me get this one more time. But hey, thank you all making it to the end of the episode. If you want to show love to the podcast, follow me both on Instagram at Most Wanted Podcast and Twitter at Most Wanted Pod to stay up to date on guest features, upload days, and more. Once again, want to shout out those listening in on Google Podcasts, Breaker, Overcast, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, and Anchor. If you're listening in on Apple Podcasts, make sure you give a five-star rating and review as well. Uh, you can also listen to the podcast on Spotify as well as on YouTube through the Broader Hive YouTube channel where you can not only find my podcast but plenty of other top-notch material. Till next time, we out. Easy, y'all.